0: Everyone, welcome. The first Note to Self live podcast, kicking it off with Sharmadine Reed. And I guess um, you can kind of take, we're going to start, I guess, with the beginning of your career. I know you moved to London for university, um, studied at Central Saint Martins. Fashion prom- Promotions and Communications? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Got the bio online. I know. <laughs> Wikipedia. So that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also listen to a TED Talk, so. <laughs> And then I guess that was your kind of start of your love affair with tech.
1: Yes. No. No. Almost got it. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to a really weird techie school. So when I was 11, my senior school was actually called a City Technology College, a CTC. There were 15 of them in the country at the time. And it was an experiment by the government to see if the academy concept would work. So think of it as like an MVP for the academy school. And the idea was in 1990, if a business could run a school as well as or better than the government. So my school had zero government intervention. It was... um, funded by tarmac the construction company and Mercers, wow. and everything about that school was tech enabled so imagine i'm 11 years old living in wolverhampton i get picked up by a bus uh, a coach drives me 20 miles to telford to the next town where they built the school half the school was from wolverhampton <coughs> half the school was from telford i had a laptop aged 11 in 1995, I had a swipe. In 1995, card. yeah, yeah, there was no um, registration or bells in the whole school. Every single kid had a swipe card, and you swiped into lessons. So they knew if you were absent in or not. Yeah, but it never happened that people didn't turn up because it was such a like tight ship yeah yeah. um we every single um child had to do typing lessons I did business studies from aged 11 I remember my first business Mm. studies lesson so and then the company had its own intranet broadcasting system and then I learned later on as I got a bit older and more interested in business that the school sold its curriculum because it was such a strong curriculum to other schools so no it was like when I was 11 (laughs) like I was like did you stay there for college? No, I didn't because it wasn't super creative. Okay. I mean, it was creative. This, that school was sick. I remember doing the best art, the best technology. I remember, even to this day, I think about this product I made in D&T, which was an egg cup holder, right? But it was like an egg cup holder out of a single sheet of a, uh, like acrylic. Yeah which you had to heat and bend. So imagine the acrylic was like up, that, that, then you cut a circle for the egg and it sat perfectly on top. Like that's sick. Like, I've, never <laughs> seen, I've never seen that design of an egg cup before, but it looked like a Philippe star. Do you get what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. My school was so sick and it was sporty, it was creative. The drum like had amazing productions of grease, like sick theatrical. It was just like an OTT school, like extra as hell. But um, I thought that was normal.
0: Well, like I thought my
1: school was normal until I went to college. And when I went to college, and it was so dead, and people were walking out of class, chatting back to the teacher, like no one cared about learning. I was like, oh wow, like college is wild. Like you know, I collected my EMA. Is it called EMA? Yeah, EMA. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, I'll get my bus pass. I'd buy my school books. I was such a geek yet, yeah, and uh, I just um. I went to my sixth form college. I studied film, media, English literature, and business. My business was a waste of time because I'd been doing it for five years already. And A-level business is basically like GCSE business. And then media was fun, but I didn't like group work. Film, I, absolutely I think everyone loved. can agree to yeah. that. I think <laughs> <media> university is... <laughs> really
0: <laughs> I was like group work
1: is group just work. not. No. Yeah. And then uh if I didn't do um if I didn't do fashion, I was going to do a film degree okay. because I was obsessed with not um, not film, not making films. I was obsessed with I was obsessed with the way that films reflected society at the time. Like I loved writing essays, detailed analytical essays on film. And I was obsessed with doing so. So and what I would took write, you down I would write the... film studies. Uh, I would write essays for other students. Because I just loved it. Okay, you had to like, for, yeah, for, yeah. Money. <laughs> yeah. for money. For yeah. money. I would just write essays for money. Because I was like, yeah, of course. What, you, I, you just want me to sit and watch a Fellini film and then write a thousand words on it? Easy. Like, light work. <laughs> <laughs> then what took you to do fashion promotion? Because fashion's the same, right? So fashion is like... Fashion to me is another it's it's one of endless ways that humans reflect the zeitgeist of the time right the way that we reflect society feelings um anxieties fears etc it's like fashion like language does um like music does like art does like all of these things basically reflect the time and I loved clothes I just love I grew up watching MTV like you know house of style I just loved visual stuff I was buying like the face and Vogue from age like 12 13 Um, but to me it wasn't about just buying stuff or like a coat story it was like how can I convey a very particular tribe of people through the clothes that I would put on a fashion shoot like that's what I cared about so when I was a stylist most of the work that I did uh would do was almost always like cultural studies through clothes I would find a group of kids either real or I would find street cast I would always like I was street casting constantly and this was like 10 12, no more like 13 years ago um and I would basically put designer clothes on them to make them look like they would be that was their outfit. Do you get what I mean? That was my taste. So yeah, I just loved it. Then what
0: why did you not obviously from a stylist, why did you not want to stay a
1: stylist? I did want to stay a stylist. They will have it. Everyone <laughs> loved these bloody nails, innit? Yeah. <laughs> um, I even to this day do you know what? Yesterday my son's dad sent me a really amazing video clip of um some old ladies shouting at kids on a council estate in the 1970s, and it was, like, about how the arguments are still the same, like, you know, the kids going, we ain't got nothing to do around here, them old bags shouting at us, and the old women are like, go and get your hair color, and I was like, I wish I could make films like this still, and I still have this real strong urge to, um, like, create, like, capture and create, but it's for fun isn't it like it's not like do you know what it is I think that my bear in mind I plan my life out from age 12 yeah so what was your plan at age 12 that by now I'd be a creative director or I'd have a big agency or I would be running something in the fashion or creative industry so while was like a total diversion but I just thought that, but was it
0: a total diversion? Because you were the head of something, and you were creatively directing that.
1: Yeah, but I didn't like beauty. totally different to fashion. Yeah, and also, you know how beauty is cool right now and respected. Like no one cared before. No. When I was at Arena Home Plus, which like Gem, Gem was mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yeah. I, you know, when I was at Arena Home Plus, no one gave two hoots about beauty. Featuring nails on a page, no one would do that. That was mad. Like. Um, you know, it wasn't like truth. Truthfully, it wasn't respected at all. So I um, had gone basically from con- you know traveling the world, working with the sickest photographers, like doing epic shoots that I was just like so happy about, to being on the floor painting some models' toenails at a show. And I was like, "Yo, yeah, was <laughs> this is like funny? This isn't life." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, and to me, I'll I. I'm the kind of person who does whatever it takes. I I don't care. Like I've got no airs and graces about stuff. Like but I just thought this isn't utilizing everything I've worked for since I was like, you know, yay high. Like it wasn't not my skill set. So I uh, with with war and with it's almost like I guess I felt like an obligation because it was a unique skill set. Like yeah. there aren't there, there weren't many people Oh, there was no people 10 years ago who had a shop no. like, in our community like just I know it sounds weird but the fact that you've got a shop like a space to hang out in um the boys had spaces so like at the time and again this is showing my age because you guys look so young but like back in the day like there was bond do you remember the streetwear shop called bond all the boys hung around at bond at hideout at foot patrol at the original Stussy before like Supreme and Stussy, yeah. where they are now. Like all the boys hung out at those shops, but there was no like girl equivalent for that. So I just thought, well, I can at least try. So I don't know. I'm quite naive, right? Like I, I often don't think things through that much. I just like, that's Do a you lie. think that's hindered you? That's, that's actually a lie. Let me take that back. I have an idea <laughs> and I don't uh, I ignore the risks Because I'm like Whatever it takes I'm sure I'll figure it out Do you get what I mean? So I definitely think things through You know like Doctor Strange thinks through Like every scenario That's what I do Like <laughs> I, I will take something And see almost through to its completion But um, You know I just thought What's the worst that could happen At the time I had a lot of free time so when I was styling I would only be working like a week of the month and then just like living great the rest of the time so I was like I've got loads of time to open this shop and you know not realizing a shop is like crazy amount of work and then I had a baby and then I was just like running around like crazy but at the time I thought I've got money I've got like time I can do this and it will be fun to get my nails done for free. That's literally what I thought. <laughs> Little did I know, eh? So at the time, that was in Dalston. Yeah.
0: And then if we fast forward, I think six to eight years into it, Mm-hmm. and then you moved to Soho.
1: Am I right? Yeah, but you're missing a massive chunk of the. I know. Story, I was going right? to let you
0: fill it fill in.
1: <laughs> the biggest chunk of the story was six years after I opened War. I basically had a sh- a small minor breakdown thinking what the hell am I doing with my life like I have planned and planned for so long and what I've done in the last six years is let the waves take me wherever they want and I felt like the decision that the work I was doing wasn't me deciding it was imposed on me and what I mean by that is from day one that war opened we had inbound requests from all over the world for crazy shit so i like within the first week the new york times came to feature us like the first ever i'll never forget like the first ever nails at a party that we did which is so normal now right yeah was not normal was diesel diesel wanted us to do glow in the dark nails too much like a glow in the dark jean stitch that they developed so we were painting nails in um Awesome oh, nightclub in Dalston, I forgot its name. Anyway, and uh, you know, everything apart from the only things that weren't inbound was the Topshop contract. Oh, I forgot and about that. Boots, yeah, how could I forget about that? And the and boots? red sauce no that was like inbound as well so everything we did apart from my product line and apart from Topshop came to us so I was just like going yeah 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 like you like let's fly to Moscow like someone would be like will you fly to Moscow and do a pop-up nail bar we would be like yeah cool would you fly we did like the um Ferrari lounge at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix we did like nails for opening ceremony in Tokyo everything was inbound and I just said yeah sure I'll figure it out actually I was telling someone the other day the craziest thing um, that we did was that Vans wanted to do seven pop-up now bars in seven different European cities at the, the same, same time, time. <laughs> I like, But I did it I actually don't even know how I did these I, Do you know like when you have a baby Well you don't know but when you have a baby <laughs> And they send you uh, You get a hit of dopamine afterwards to for, So you forget the pain, pain yeah. So that you have it again That's basically what I think I've done with what well, I think <laughs> I've forgotten how crazy it was And it's funny because I found my old diaries like, I was just hiding in my house And I always buy like Smythson diaries And like used to write epic lists and I don't remember being that stressed or busy, but when I looked through those diaries, I was like, oh my God, my to-do lists were like pages and pages and pages. And I, I, I blocked it out. Like, it was nuts. But um, I just said yes to everything. And I didn't really have a strategy or think about which one could be the thing that makes this like a big company. So after six years, I was like, I'm dead, going home. It's I'll, over. It's over not that it's over but I was breaking up with my son's dad I felt very lost and separated from my friends because I was the only one who had a baby you yeah. know like my girl crew like Grace and Phoebe like no one else had babies um no one else was running businesses at the time like n- none of them were running businesses so I just felt incredibly lonely incredibly stressed and I was just like I don't even know what I'm doing with my life so I moved back to my hometown of Wolverhampton to be with my family I paid, like, £750 for a three-bedroom house with, like, an acre of land. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> £750, you know. Wow, <laughs> know. wow. I actually miss it. Um, and I just chilled out. I just thought... I was back and forth in London all the time, like, every single week. But even that was, like, a better quality of life than what I was living. And I just kind of analysed what I did I just did a lot of reflection work I mainly ate vegan I was working out every day like when I look back at those pictures I literally look glowing because I was just like surrounded by love and family and relaxation and quality air and I um just thought what what have I really enjoyed about the last six years what have I not enjoyed what have I learnt what would I do next and a couple of the things that jumped out at me is that I really loved um firstly I really loved the beauty industry like that surprised me like I um was never I was a tomboy when I was growing up I was never like in, I mean I was extra but I was like not into getting stuff done and I just thought man this is so relaxing like getting your hair washed or you know what I mean <laughs> having a facial so I love the beauty industry I love the characters in the beauty industry but not the industry like you know product and journalists and all of that it was more like I loved girls on the shop floor because yeah. it was just i mean you know what it was like in the salon it was so jokes yeah, like i just it was loved it it's like, a full-on yeah. it, they were amazing and also the customers who came into while were sick i was like you know you go you go to any our salon and you'll see a breadth of people but at what i was visually delighted by our customers every day people were coming in looking fresh as hell yeah <laughs> and i was like this is great and then i loved the fact that we utilize social media a lot to build our business so We were, like, really early on Tumblr, really early on Instagram. I, you know, if anyone remembers Vine, I used to make all these cute little Vines. And I just loved... I'm an early adopter of Tetris, so anything that was new, I would try out for the salon. So I loved that. I loved watching um, girls make more money. So I loved the fact that a couple of people that would come in off the street who would say... I want to learn how to paint nails and I was like okay cool this is the course you should do and practice on this you know they'd come back and then they'd go from having zero income to earning like a wage and I loved that things I didn't like I didn't like making products I actually loved making products but not selling them because when you make beauty products you really learn that so much of the process is just like marketing Mm. like literally and influencers and what you pay I didn't, um, yeah, so I didn't really enjoy making products that much. I was really not good at hiring and managing a team. I thought, I loved working, I loved having ideas and getting like, building people around me to execute them, but I I wasn't very good, and I still struggle with this, like sustaining a, a high quality team. I think How it's the absolute you, hardest thing to do. Have
0: you managed to
1: obviously it's ongoing, but have you managed to
0: bypass that?
1: I haven't bypassed it and I would say that I I thought that like team issues were like bumps in the road, right? But what I've realized is that road is just gravelly and it's constant forever gravelly yeah. yeah? <laughs> and I and I um all I can do is get better and better at pattern recognition. That's it there's going to be casualties and there's going to be mistakes and it's super emotional but I just think that so much of running a business is about the people around you and understanding psychology and behavioral economics and motivation techniques and all of that is essentially like the core of how a business grows and develops so anyway I took all of those things and I just thought I'm going to build a software system, because those are the, those enc- that encompasses the stuff I like doing, and no one's doing it, and we had a really unique problem. The unique problem being we took a lot of photos, and people were screenshotting them all the time, and then I was like, literally like one day, we was just like, okay, I'm ready to go back. So I moved back to London. Also, Roman, my son was turning five. He turned five, so we needed to go to school full time, so we couldn't like, do the division that we were doing in terms of like, he was at one nursery half the week, another nursery the other half. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna move back to London. I'm gonna build a software system and I need to open a brand new salon to kind of kickstart this process. I didn't didn't move back to London and just start building tech. I moved back to London, did what I knew like easily, which was, I know how to open a salon. I could do it like with my eyes closed. And then I kind of just did a lot of research and thinking and stuff about the tech company, and then, yeah, that was it. That was it. (laughs) I know this is a problem, yeah, because I think... Someone told me the other day that I make things sound really blasé, but I am constantly thinking and working and thinking and working all the time. Like, But I just think it's not... um, like, there's no uh, reward for, like, struggle, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not I'm not the kind of person who... The energy-focused on how hard you're working or, or how difficult things are, you're losing energy on looking at the future. So I know I make it sound, like, really relaxed and easy, but I just... When I'm into something, I get so obsessed with it, I consume so much information about it because i think the most important thing you can do in any industry you're at is be the expert yeah like with nail with WAR, because we became the expert in nail art that's why we were in every single magazine because if someone wanted to quote the think of us like i always used to say you have to think if if someone thinks of something in your industry they ought to be thinking of calling you first Do you get what I mean? Like, Like you should be the reference point. You should be the last word in that industry. Like, the last word in, you know, Asian vegan food. The last word in thick brows. The last word... Like, do you get what I mean? Who's the go-to for that thing? So, I like being... um, the person like at the table that you would have to ask for that specific bit of information so because i don't want to lose out on that i gather as much information as possible you know what i mean yeah. but you know these aren't like necessarily positive traits by the way <laughs> um i think a lot of them come to do a lot of them come from a real desire to prove myself but to who a real desire to succeed but for what like again going back to the hiring I have this massive um, like thing where I feel like obsessed with like attempting to save people or help people so I'm always like you know if a girl like me from Wolverhampton with no privilege can do it you can too and then I'm like I'm going to hire someone and turn them into a mini me do you get what I mean but like that shouldn't be my role and like who am I saving? Let me save myself first. So like yeah, it's one of the most one of the most important things I can recommend for anybody who is on a any type of ambitious journey is to have coaching or therapy or anything that uncovers the limiting beliefs you have that spill into your work life. Because they do. It's funny because I always think with like any type of um self-development you scratch the surface and you're like oh my god I've just had a breakthrough I didn't realize that I did that and like a year later you're like whoa there was layers and layers and layers and layers under there so I think that you know I I have a a coach there's actually an article on beauty stack about my coach if you (laughs) care to read it on beauty stack.com forward slash blog and um (laughs) and basically you know I spent two, uh, you know an hour with my coach today because I was just like she is a reflection. she she is able to hold up a mirror to patterns of behavior that I do that aren't constructive for the business development. It's almost like you need to get out of the way of the success of your own business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. sometimes you're in the way of your own success that sounds so Oprah but like do you know what I mean so I I would say that you know everything I'll say tonight I don't necessarily think that they're positive traits or negative traits they're just the traits that I've developed that have served me to this point and you know whether they're positive or negative they'll I need to figure out as to whether they're going to serve me in the future. Has it only been recently that you started to look objectively on how you? No way. Work? Since I was a child, I've been obsessed with self improvement. Like I distinctly remember being like seven, getting a school report that says um, Sharmadine needs to be less selfish in group situations, and thinking at seven, okay, cool, I can do that. Do you know what I mean? And then doing it, and then getting a better report the next time. But like I was doing it, and I was thinking, okay. You guys all say your ideas and I'm going to get you to do mine anyway. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, even at that young age, I was very self-aware of how to be better all the time. So, yeah, I just remember hearing feedback from teachers or whatever and thinking, okay, can I improve on that? Do I think that feedback's useful and can I improve, improve on it? How do you determine if feedback is useful? oh it's so hard isn't it there's this interesting thing that Ray Dalio um, this hedge fund guy does called believability weighting so it's like Advice comes in many forms, right? It might be a bit of advice in a magazine, something your friend says, something a mentor says. And what you have to do is add believability weighting. So it's like, how well does that person know me and know the situation? How much expertise does that person have like in this area? Um, has this person been through this experience before directly? Is it primary evidence? Is it secondary evidence? <laughs> Again, that's how my brain works, right? So I'll like tell ten people the same problem, and they'll all give me different things, and I'm just giving every every everyone a way up, a a way up. Yeah. And then I'm trying to take all, because the other thing to remember is no one knows your business like you do, nobody. So you have to take all that bits of information and make it your own. Like I found when I haven't trusted my intuition, that's when it's always gone wrong like it's not worked out so yeah that's I guess that's how I try and decide
0: I've always found that it's yes, actually only, I think, this year that I've really tried to listen to myself mm. at full capacity at all times. Full
1: capacity, man. Yeah.
0: And things have gone very right, not left, like before.
1: People show so. you, like... <laughs> pe- you know that Maya Angelou quote, like, people show you who they are.
0: Yeah, all like, the time, but you don't want time. to listen. From, just
1: yeah. red flags popping yeah. up left, right and centre, and we're just, like, ducking them. Yeah. You know yeah. really? And I'm just like, dude, why why am I not looking like what what you have to do is say to yourself not I think flipping it around yet and being like not why has that person done that thing to me or why has this happened to me I never try and I never I try to not uh think passively so I never say like why did this happen to me I think what is it about my thought processes that allowed me to think that that was okay do you know what I mean yeah so like when there were red flags I think what was what was it about me at that time that made me think it was okay to um you know let this person into my business or okay to do a partnership with that person maybe I was fearful maybe I felt inadequate maybe I um because they're they they almost always are based on human ego right so it'll be like all these things about yourself that made you like ignore that flag that's the thing you can focus on because you can only change that but you can't change the flags right they're going to yeah. come at you all the time <laughs> forever and ever forever
0: all right let's talk about beauty Star. obviously it started as i guess a way that you wanted to have a new and improved software system that really reflected your brand but how did that move into a completely different tech app platform that facilitates for beauty pros yeah. and
1: consumers? So I started building Beauty Stack, and it didn't have a name for War. So I actually thought that it was just going to be part of the War company, and I thought, okay, I'm going to build a software system for us. But then what I what I realised was um, that times are changing in the beauty industry and actually i i'm not even sure salons will exist in the same way they do in like 10 years yeah i i really think that there'll be different models for how services are delivered and um i started building it. I, I actually have the first deck and i called it something cringe like War wow, style <laughs> <Like, laughs> wa wow, style and the deck was like we the decks actually quite similar which was essentially i set out to build tumblr for beauty okay. but you get a booking i was always like likes and reblogs don't put food on the table so who cares if you got like you know two hundred thousand followers because you can only fit 200 people and you sell on at any one yeah. time and who cares about likes right just want to get them paid yeah. <laughs> so, so um i started building it for war and then i just realized that actually this is like a global market and I would see people on Instagram like there's this really cool girl I follow called Moonlight Braids and she's like 15 in Finland and she's been braiding hair since she was like 13 and in the two years that she's been braiding her hair is like bride quality like you know you'd have on your wedding day and pay like several hundred pounds for it and I'm like we need to be building for that girl you know what I'm saying or like anywhere you go in the world there's just women like smashing it doing different services and treatments. so I was like I am in a really unique position here where I understand technology I understand beauty I understand business um you know plus I'm chill and fun <laughs> <laughs> so like I really ought to build this for everybody else so that's how it switched and then I just thought um running a logistics based business like war is such a different mindset to a tech company i can't even tell you like working at a startup is insane it's like they it's like take everything you might do in a normal business in like 15 20 year span and compress it into three years you know what i'm saying so it's like super intense um and you hire different people with different mindsets. And I just thought, I can't do both. And while was such a unique, um, it was basically me, wasn't it? Like, while yeah. I was like a teenage, like me for when I was like 16, watching MTV, going raving, but wanting to wear designer stuff. Like, it was like this high low thing that I just subscribed to. And I, I was like, if I do anything else with this, it's like, you know, if I franchised it or sold it or whatever, I'd just you know, I'd walk past it and be like I'd just, I'd see something in a magazine, I'd be like, mate, why are you using that font? You and I'd be livid. It. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, I'd it's better to have a ten year cycle and close it. I was quite inspired by the Colette store as well. Yeah. You know, like ten year anniversary, dead, dead and I'm like, Yeah, I can do that. It's cool, it's no big deal. It was hard to do though. But I just thought, if I'm... I thought, with WAH, we did so many things really well, but we didn't pick one thing to do excellently, apart from the nails. The nails were flying as hell, yeah? Yeah. But the girls were, like, smashing it. So I thought, how good could I be if I just concentrated on on doing one thing for five years? Is this your plan? Yeah. I was like, look at what I've done for, like... 10 years with WA there's actually um we've just almost finished it's not quite finished yet but we've done a, a we've done a War archive site a 10-year oh. archive and when we're going through it because the um the team in the office Ellen and Amy and Rihanna have been building it and it's looking amazing and I was just like oh my god I totally forgot that we had a pop-up in Dublin <laughs> like, I had a salon in Harvard Nichols in Dublin for ages. I did it while I was seven months pregnant. Like, you know, I was like, I totally forgot. Like, at the time, I forgot about the ASOS collection, even though I wear it all the time still. I just forgot all that we had, like, three books and a product line and flying around the world. And th- the girls were like, when did you make these this jewelry line like <laughs> oh, right. I didn't even know about that one so I, I've, yeah. done, I've done quite a few jewelry lines like oh, with what? like collaborating. Oh, collaborating yeah like we did one with um an old company my flash trash we did one with um oh uh, did you do a wild chain yeah we've done loads. Was, yeah we've done yeah we just did loads and loads of stuff and I was constantly trying stuff out and the fact that like we made five fanzines and like you know, it's just kind of crazy to look back and think of all the things, but we could have, like, been an events company, been a product company, we could have been a media company, like, I just kind of went with the flow, and I think, in hindsight, in my 20s, that's totally the right thing to do, you know, like... I was reading the book about the publisher Faber and Faber today. And, he, and that guy didn't found that company till he was like 35. And I was like, yeah, cool. And it's two, you know 100-year-old company still. So I think in your 20s, you should just be like trying, trying stuff out. It's totally fine. But then pick one. <laughs> and this is it. This is honing in. <coughs> this is me, man. Honing in on your craft, this on is, who you are. This is my first focus, yes.
0: The first of many, or well, the first we'll of
1: one of one. I'm 35 now, so who knows what I'll be doing at 45 or 55 or 65. How have you felt it's gone in the past three years of developing it? So it's been it's been two two a year of just getting going. And yeah, then a year, we launched the first like proper janky version of the app a year ago. I think that it's such hard work but I'm so grateful that I have such resilience like I wake up I can have the worst day ever but I'll wake up and tomorrow's a new day and I'll just like I always start again from zero like you know what I mean I never wake up on a on a minus so I think it's gone well I think you can always look back and be like, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd done that. But like I said before, it's kind of pattern recognition. Yeah. I have never built a software company before. That's just the fact of the matter. What I need to do is hire people who have definitely built software companies before. And what I'm looking for now is people who have built world-class software before. So yeah, I I think it's gone as well as it could have and I'm excited about how sick it's going to go when I get a strong team around
0: is it a case, obviously, because I'm not from a tech background, is it a case with an app that you're constantly updating and developing it at every minute of the day, trying to think of a way to improve it? Basically, yeah. Okay, so it's... No, like, like yeah. literally.
1: <laughs> like, um, you know when people, like, say, oh, I'm building an app? Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Because it's not the building of the app and getting it into the app store. It's what you do after launch it's iterating on it constantly testing it constantly there's always bugs maintenance man it's just it's one of those things like making a magazine or producing a fashion show or even like running a restaurant you don't actually realize how hard it is until you do it and i when i made my first issue of war I remember thinking oh my god that was so hard to make a basic magazine I suddenly have newfound respect for anyone who makes a magazine (laughs) and with tech it's the same thing right you download apps every day you don't even think of them give two hoots now I've got a newfound respect for people building technology because it is really really hard and when you say every minute of the day it's literally that it's like rather than doing like big launches all the time it's like 5% 5% incremental updates All the time We, I always have this phrase like You can either have death by a thousand Paper cuts or like the path to Greatness is a thousand small steps So I'm like <laughs> like die by a thousand cuts or get good by a thousand steps okay. so I'm like constant small incremental improvements sometimes we can put pressure on ourselves to make like you know I I've not won until I've like you know got x amount of revenue in blah blah are blah. you rewarding
0: yourself every time you make the tiny little improvements
1: um well we do a weekly meeting a weekly all hands meeting it's called where we do shout outs and stuff like that but if I'm truthful, I reward a big improvement. <laughs> I reward, like, I, I I reward every... Like, for example, when we launched Pro Home the other day, so we launched a brand... It was the biggest release we'd ever done on the app. So it was bigger than launching the original app. And it um, just gives way more tools to our beauty professionals to run their business with. And I went to the shop in the morning and just bought champagne from the off-license because I was like, everyone deserves, like... A celebration today because they've worked their socks off for three months and it was amazing to watch everyone pull together without any fuss or you know and um yeah i think when you build technology when you build anything right there are people who are good there are some people who are really good at planning doing a deck doing a mood board writing a strategy there are some people who are good at launching like getting stuff out the door, but there, are, there aren't there are many people good at maintenance and then innovation and then improvement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because some people find those things boring. Like some people don't find it interesting to look through the app every single day and look for bugs or check out every single one of our users and make sure that they've got enough pictures on their profile or whatever. Like I do my job and then I go home and I'll like give Roman dinner and do his homework and then I'll literally like look at the app or look at all of our users or look at like your profile on Instagram and be like what treatments is she getting I'll be like screenshotting pictures of uh, people who tagged that they got a facial here, and sending it to the team being like we ought to get this beauty pro on the app because so and so is using them blah, blah, blah do you get what I mean? it's like constant I'm tired guys <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> I was gonna say how do you do work-life balance am i
1: exhausting you by talking about it
0: some people say that Some people you're exhausting me right now
1: and i'm not even
0: like how do you get perspective or work-life balance i mean i don't think work-life balance really exists when you you have business to be honest i
1: i would agree i think it's like work-life harmony and i also think um i do love my work like i just like I love it. I love I love building tech. It's so fun. So all the devs get really annoyed at me, right? Because we do a demo every week where they everyone demonstrates the work that they've done and the crit? Like a crit. Do you, know, do you know what's really funny, right? I was talking to someone about this, about the purpose of hiring graduates. It's not about I don't think a university degree has you know unless you're doing medicine or science or something has any particular benefits but what it does have is the process of having your work critiqued Critiqued. all the time and not getting personal Mm -hmm. about it like people who haven't been to university can't like um process feedback in the same way as you do when you have been and and it's forced on you and it's forced on you and it's cyclical and it's like um, compressed and stuff, and also, you stop being precious about what you're doing. You stop being precious, yeah. and also, which is so critical to startups, by the way. People who are perfectionists can't survive in a startup because you just get upset all the time. And then the second thing is, like, debating and reasoning and arguing. I think you do that a lot in uni. Like, you, you'll have these discussions and debates with random people, like, in your halls or in lecture halls or whatever, and you're okay with it because you, you just see them the next day. But if you haven't been in that environment and someone says something negative to you, you're like, whoa, what's going on here? So, anyway, side note. Um, let me tell you about this demo. Go on. So we do the demo every week, and the devs show their work, and I'm like oh my god guys it's magic and they're like no it's code and I'm like no no no, it's magic and they get really annoyed but I love it like every time we do a demo I literally feel like I want to cry but I don't but (laughs) I feel like so emotional because I'm like you guys like took our ideas our feedback our inspiration and you made it real and it sounds so small but that that you know I've got a real childlike wonder for that I'm like I can't believe like you know we raised money and I'm like I can't believe someone's given me money and I've got a team to basically bring stuff that's been in my head to, to life. life and that is such a privilege and I feel like really emotional about it every week and they're like it's not magic stop saying that but it must be a very fulfilling feeling because it's the same it's like you've
0: thought of something and someone's actually able to materialize that and that's, it's functioning yeah. and it's functioning for users and or it will be functioning for users
1: it functions babe it,
0: functions, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it breaks but you know I think we've got no. That's
1: it. No questions. I've got no more. But I will actually open it up for questions. I'd love that. Any questions, guys? Um, so the question was: Is my coach in the same industry as me? So my coach was a former operations officer at a startup, who, interestingly enough, but I think it hasn't actually been that relevant. She. It was a beauty um, startup then she went on maternity leave and then decided to retrain as a coach so she could have a better work-life balance and she asked if I could be her first trainee client so I was with her as a test case and I just in that six weeks changed my life so I was like yeah I'll pay for this now so yeah I'm not sure if it's related I, I I don't know if it needs to be an identical industry per se but I think if they don't understand what it's like to be at a startup or at a restaurant as you know or at whatever I think it's it's hard for them to identify but to be honest I've only got one as a we do have another in-house coach so I provide coaching for the team and she was also a product manager at a really big startup so she also understands it so actually I think it might be important you know that's a good question because I hadn't actually thought about that but I think it's useful if someone can empathize with your experience and who has pattern recognition for problems that you might be going through because if if they don't have that they're kind of just your (coughs) mate giving you advice. Yeah so question being how do I keep myself mentally in check and stay motivated I would say that building a CEO peer group and friendship circle was like super important. So you can either have formal ones, right? So um, I have a formal monthly uh, group of random CEOs that we have like a format to the session. But then I also have just made friends with other people in my network uh, who I can just chew the fat with like when I am feeling um you know quite despondent or unmotivated I literally have like three people that I can check in with who will totally get it and I think in any industry at any stage in your career you should be building your peer group network which doesn't need to be your mate but they need to understand your problems. So, for example, if you're doing, um, let's say you're doing marketing at a startup, because you're not a CEO, sometimes you might not feel like those things are accessible to you. But you should just network with other PRs at other startups at different levels so that they can tell you, like, oh my God, your boss is having a go at you about this, mine is it doing exactly the same i'm stressed like they're being nutters you know what i mean so i think it's important at any level it's just a way to like um release the aggression as well because if you're able to have some people to who, who it's such an over, overused phrase but you, you need a safe space to release your aggression because that is a normal human mode of being if you're in a high impact if you've got a high impact life right so if I can release my aggression with my coach or with my friends who are also CEOs um it just means that I'm not taking it back to the team you know what I mean I will add to that where possible
0: (laughs) (laughs) that that's the reason why I started in the first place because obviously being in a position where a lot of your friends will not be in the same position as you your family won't understand what you're doing it's a very lonely experience and there's not a lot when problems do arise you have no one to ask is this the right thing to do is this should I be doing this just comparatively and just have a a support system and like as women as well obviously I was listening to your TED talk today I didn't know that in tech only nine percent Nine percent of equity in tech is owned by women and ninety one percent is owned by men. Which means I'm guessing in the greatest greater scale that women as CEOs were very well, I think I knew there's a um there is another fact. Like in the UK, twelve percent of creative CEOs are women. We're tiny. Mm.
1: so you have to like stick together like if there's one thing that you guys all do tonight it would be to swap phone numbers with another woman who like literally swap phone numbers because I know it's like awkward friend dating right but you should just be like do you mind if I like we share numbers so when I randomly feel low on whatsapp I can just send you a message like you know what I mean I know it sounds weird but think about how many how much time you waste like posting a caption on instagram that text could be better sent to another. Gu- no, but for real, the time spent posting a caption, that time could be best sent texting another woman, giving her support advice. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. You know, meeting people on the internet is great, but it's really hard. I mean, maybe this is just personal to me, isn't as? But I just think when you're when you're like a grown up or not in uni, when you're not in a uh, forced um, social construct it's so hard to make friends yeah that is very true i find it really awkward when i meet someone i really like them i'm like do you want to take my number (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean so i i I would just say that the more i used to be when i was younger i didn't really ask for help enough like at all yeah i think a lot of women don't ask for help and even when help is offered like I've got team members who I can see struggling and I offer help and they don't necessarily take it and I think actually the best thing you can learn is to just be like hey do you mind if I have coffee just because I have this problem that I need to talk through with somebody else rather than like let's have a coffee to talk about a collaboration do you know what I mean more questions next question Yeah, so the questions around um taking advice from my coach and using her to guide me versus trusting my intuition. Um, such a brilliant question because I think one of the most interesting things that founders have is that intuition. And I think people who start businesses have a feeling feeling or an intuition for how the world could be and a gut a gutness about like I can definitely change something. Um I would say that. What by the time if I've got a problem, if I have an urgent problem, I will meet with my coach immediately, not on the scheduled time. And she's amazing like that. But if I um, have something, I can think about myself. I usually work through the problem before I get to my coach. I tell her my workings out, and she does the thing I said of asking me questions to be like, "But why is that your immediate first thought, or what?" She, she's almost like teasing out of me. A bit like therapy, actually, because sometimes yeah, they will guide you. Because I've never to been your... to therapy, by the way, right? Oh well, so, like, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's like she questions my process rather than the thing yeah and she'll remind me about stuff I said before so she'll she 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 said today like you know I've got a lot of intel on this problem that you have because it's happened before and I was (laughs) like oh yeah let's talk about that (laughs) and um yeah so I would say that that's that's my personal method but that's only because I think I'm super rational and I pros I you know go through process and i'm very evidence driven as well so if i think something's becoming incredibly heightened emotions the thing that i revert to is just uh stay in the facts like i'll make a timeline or like gather all without any uh judgment and then i'll talk through her with the with the emotions and stuff because i think it's important to attach I think you shouldn't necessarily lose your emotional state because they help you uncover why you're making the decisions you're making, but it's a it's a process. So where I see Beauty Stack going is any person who wants to sell their time and that time is semi-related to... Um, image or a feeling or a mood that they should be able to do it on beauty stack so I know I called it beauty stack because it's a sick name but um I just think whether it's acupuncture or personal training or even you know consultation or therapy or coaching or whatever we already have tarot and reiki like I my main goal is to just help women make more money that's it so the fact that most women you know, a lot of these industries are led by women, and led by non-white women, I'm like, the more I can do to facilitate that, the better, and I don't think it's, one of the fun things I love about tech, is seeing how people like, hack your product, so there's a girl, who made an account, to uh, make websites, so she like, booked her time, so she'll, she'll charge you half a day, to build a website and then another half for a marketing plan and i was like this is cool she's just selling her time yeah. do you know what i mean so that for me i'm not bound by the limitations but we definitely you know it's it's an interesting question because we are we do have a you know internal wellness remit because i think there isn't really a system that is providing that yeah. for that community yeah. but the most important thing about beauty stack is that i want to facilitate transactions for our community as in with war, i wanted to there were loads of nail salons right thousands millions but i wanted to build a nail salon for our community like i wanted to build a salon that i would feel comfortable hanging out in all day so the same with beauty booking sites there are loads of beauty booking sites but but there's none for like my braider girl or my lash girl so i was just like i can do this like for our community so if there are transactions that are happening offline that i can digitize that's the goal my objective with War nails so while started out as a magazine right like I physic, I photocopied a physic a photocopy of the magazine about women in hip-hop and i gave it out at nightclubs when in an era where everyone was going to indie clubs and there was like a, a few girls going to like bar rumba or something and um <laughs> and like I, my first agenda for the salon was all of these girls that I keep meeting at random clubs where there's like two here or three there or four there. Like I'd love them to have a space where they can all get together to make 10 girls, you know what I mean? So that was like the original agenda. And then I don't know if I overthought it. Our mantra was always like connect like minded women. Like, you know, how many of you here ever went to our, did any of you ever go? or at least know someone who went or like met a girl there or like followed someone on instagram who'd gone or whatever so the the point was it's like a lot of women and all over the world i'll go to like the most random place and people will know about war and it kind of makes me proud like the first time i saw someone wearing a war stick on nail on the tube who i didn't know i was like wow that's sick but but the point was is that how cool is it to make this thing that like binds all these people together like that's a massive ego boost for me I just thought that's sick so how do I know what a good idea is is I look for so I had a couple of ideas at the same time that I had the idea for beauty stack and I first for a hot moment I tried to do them all (laughs) it doesn't work let me tell you so um the reason why I decided to focus on beauty stacks, so how I choose an idea is firstly I only play games I can win so I was like what can I win at for sure I was like I can't win in the drinks market I don't understand this market I've never made a drink I don't hang out with people who drink like no I was like, I wanted to do something in cars. I don't know anyone. I don't know car manufacturers. Imagine the time it would take just to embed yourself in a brand new industry. I was like, what is the industry where I can win? I was like, I've built a network and a reputation in beauty over the last like seven years. This is good. Then I was like, what am I personally interested in? Um, Is this going to sustain? Founders are hyperactive chase the next new thing right so I was like what industry could possibly sustain my interest for a considerable period of time and then I was like what idea has a strong economic model that can win and it's those three things that I think are incredibly important for assessing an idea and like most things I would just spreadsheet it out so like you know take a spreadsheet put your all your ideas out and be like am I passionate can I win will this make money like the type of money that I want and that's how I like come to my ideas and when I realized that Beauty Stack you know like I said it wasn't called Beauty Stack when I when I thought okay it's this thing this software thing I just it's hard to say how I get things off the ground, because I just get going, like, I don't know how to explain it, like, if you said to me, like, um, you know, book a holiday for 12 people to uh, the Seychelles, I would be like, okay, cool, so let me Google group travel, let me Google what, where the hell is the Seychelles, how long is the flight, Um, what airlines fly there, is this a birthday party or a wedding? I My brain just starts like asking loads and loads of questions to build a bigger picture as possible. So I was like, okay, so this is a software system. It's like a SaaS based business. Um, that means I need to have technical co-founders. Where's the best place to find technical co-founders? And all these questions just fire off in my brain. And then I literally just start working through them one by one. Like with, with WA, I was like, I need to find a place. I need to find some girls to do now. So I just lock down those two things first. Once you tick off your first task it just unlocks the next opportunity and I'm not I'm really fortunate in that I'm not a procrastinator and actually I think sometimes I move too fast like in terms of annoying people because I've just like don't give them a chance <laughs> so like let's say I'm like I really think that we should do uh, this actually happened in the office I was like I really think we should do a monthly. Um, demo night for beauty professionals to get to understand what beauty stack is and then when i go home i'm just interested in how to do a recurring invite on eventbrite so then by the time i've gone to bed i've done it do you know what i mean i've just made an eventbrite every month as a recurring invite and then i didn't even give everyone else a chance to even do it so like I just the way that my brain works in terms of getting an idea to inception is just think of every possible question that needs to be asked to get the thing done ask them and then google them and answer them and I know it sounds like really trite but I just I have the same google you do you know what I mean I no one has a special search thing like especially if it's an industry that you're not embedded in I just use google it's it's actually only recently, like genuinely recently in my career that I've asked, I've not gone to Google and asked friends or peer groups or other CEOs, because if I wanted to know how much should I pay uh, operations head, I would just Google it. So do you get what I'm saying? So getting things done is a matter of wanting them to exist. And if you want it to exist badly enough, you will make it happen. Thanks, guys. Thank you.